Bob is a pastor over in Aurora, Nebraska. He actually pastors not one, but two churches. So he's not busy, not busy enough pastoring one, so he actually pastors two. So Bob, we have air here every year, sometimes twice a year. So let's welcome back Pastor Gannon. All right. <clears throat> I'm glad I got the applause now because you want, might not want to do it later. <laughs> I always consider it a privilege to be able to come uh, to do chapel service at, at Nebraska Christian. I've, I have friends here uh, that serve as teachers, as coaches, on, on staff. Um, I've known Gordon Thiessen. For almost, well, not almost, for at least 40 years. <clears throat> it's hard to believe, right, as you're looking at me. Well, I was only like one or two. Gordon was like in his 20s. But, <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> it's hard to believe how fast and quick time goes. And before you know it, you're going to be graduated from here. You're going to probably be having families of your own who knows where God is going to take you let me just say to you that the teachers and the staff here are not serving here for the money they don't serve here because this is where they can get ahead they serve and they teach here because of you the students because they care about you and about your future and especially they care about your walk with Jesus Christ. I'm here this morning not because I need some affirmation. In fact, I'm, I'm a little nervous, more nervous than I usually am when sharing from the Word of God. I'm not here to <clears throat> feel better about myself because I served in, a, in another way. I'm here this morning because I care about you. I care about your hearts. I'm concerned about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm concerned about your walk with him. Some of you won't listen to a word I say. Some of you probably really care less about chapel service. Some of you will not like what I'm about to share. And some of you may not like me at all. And that's pretty tough in a world when likes are important, right? And the more likes you have, the more popular you are, right? But I'm, I'm not here so that you'll like me. I'm here so that you may know Jesus, who said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you might have life 
and have it to the fullest. Turn with me back to the smallest book of the Old Testament, Obadiah. So Daniel, you'll see Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah follows Obadiah. Only one chapter of, of this book from the prophet of Obadiah. <clears throat> Verse 11. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gate and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were one of them. That's the word of God. Let me just pray. Father, reveal your truth. Lord, reveal your heart for each one here. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just give you a little history of who Obadiah is giving prophecy to. He's giving prophecy to Edom. Now, if you know who the Edomites are, the Edomites, Edomites are descendants of Esau. Esau was the brother of Jacob. They were sons of Isaac. So Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob and Esau. So they're brothers. Jacob, we know, God changes his name to Israel because the sons of Jacob become the nation of Israel. And so... This is, this is kin. This is family. And so when Israel is being attacked by enemies around them, Edom, which you would think would come alongside their own kin, would come alongside family, Edom was due to show some brotherly kindness to Israel, but instead joined with Israel's enemies. So when, when somebody exercises bad behavior, whether it be your actions, whether it be your words, or even your thoughts, all of that may become worse because of the person who committed it. Let me explain. You see, you who are supposedly Christians who are adopted as sons and daughters of the glorious God and you sin, you sin with an added emphasis. Because see, when those who are of the world, those who do not know Christ, when they sin, they sin by nature. That's all they know. And that's all we too once knew, if, if we are believers. And so they don't know any different. But as Christians, we have been redeemed by the presence 
by the precious blood of Christ. We have been adopted as his children. And, and, and I just want you to imagine, if an angel came down and, and stood next to you in a moment of you indulging in some type of sin, the only rebuke that that angel needs to do is just look at you and say, what, you? What are you doing here? You've been abundantly forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been instructed in a Christian school. You've been the recipients of, of abundance of grace, the riches of mercy, blessed beyond measure. Do we dare go back to the ways of sin? As the Apostle Paul put it in, in Romans chapter 6, are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound all the more? God forbid. Obadiah 11. He's, he's confronting Edomites. You, on the day when this was all happening to your brothers, on the day, and, and so bringing it into even our context today, when this is happening to your fellow believers, to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to stand aloof? On the day when strangers try to carry them off and we live in a society now where, where persecution may be just around the corner. Are you just going to let them be carried off? When foreigners enter the gate and cast lots for, for the church? And then the statement, you too, were one of them. You too were one of them. Statistics tell us that in the evangelical church, and so we can bring that over to an evangelical Christian school, 70% of the boys and men in this room according to statistics, watch pornography on a regular basis. 70%. 7 out of 10. Thirty percent of women do the same. But you say it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt anybody. Nobody knows. It becomes one of the most hidden things in a person's life. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes this. <clears throat> Verse 18, he says, flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. That's an interesting statement. What, 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 is, what is he talking about? 
What we know concerning pornography and, and the addiction of pornography, pretty much when, when they do scans of brains of those who are addicts of drugs, those who are addicts to alcohol, when they take and scan the brain of somebody who is an addict to pornography, there's not much difference between the three brains. Why is it a sin against your own body? Number one, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But secondly, when you look at an image, there's chemicals that happen in your brain that God designed that causes you to be bonded to that image. Here's another startling statistic, or not, I guess not the statistic. This is just a startling thing that happened to me just recently. I was talking, I, I met up with a young man, and, and we were talking about, we got on the subject of immorality. And with tears in his eyes, he looked at me and he said, he said, Pastor Bob, I was in a youth group, the biggest youth group in my community, over 100 kids. And he said, with tears in his eyes, he said, I can only tell you of one person in that group that was morally pure. And not only that, but the ones who were sexually active talked about it as if it was no big deal, encouraged it. This is in a Christian youth group. You see, not only what happens when, when you see an image, do the chemicals in your brain happen to bond? You see, when in Scripture, when God says that it is a man is to leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is a bonding that God has designed, and he's designed the brain to release this chemical that causes a bonding to happen between a husband and a wife of a bonding that lasts forever. And the issue is now is because we have so many people being bonded to images and now because of the sexual promiscuity that's happening in, in our schools with teenagers, there's all this bonding that is going on that is not normal and not what God designed. So no wonder why marriages break up more than 50% of the time because you cannot bond to the mate that you're getting married to. That's sin against your own body. Do you understand? This is why he warns against it, because God has a design for you. And he has a design of, of that which is beautiful between a husband and a wife that would bring bonding together for a lifetime. But I'm fine. I go, to, I go to church, I go to youth group, I go to Christian school. Many 
of you move to a complacent attitude. Who cares? A so what attitude. So who cares if the images that I look at of girls on the screen are ones that have been enslaved by sex traffickers who are beaten and sometimes even killed? It doesn't hurt me. Obadiah 11. Even you are one of them. Maybe you're in the locker room or maybe you're at a party with some other friends and someone tells a pretty raunchy, off-color joke and you join in and laugh. Obadiah 11, even you are one of them. Maybe you love to party. Maybe you love to get drunk. Other friends are doing it. It's not immune from the Christian youth of our society. We're just having a good time. Nobody gets hurt. Who cares that 90,000 people die every year because of alcohol consumption? Who really cares that, that there's over a th there's thousands that die every year on the roads because of drunk drivers? That will never happen to me, you say. Yeah, that's what they said. Even you were one of them. Someone is taking the name of the Lord in vain. They're saying all types of lies concerning your Savior. And you remain silent. Do you not come across as Obadiah 11? Even you are one of them? Maybe one of your classmates is being made fun of. Maybe they're being put down. And you join in. Or you're silent and you don't stick up for them. Don't you come across as Obadiah 11? Even you are one of them? Is there any difference between you and the rest of the world? Is there any difference between your life and the culture that you live in? You, you may like the same raunchy TV shows. Like the same YouTube videos. You may covet the things that, that they have or that others have. You have smartphones like they do. You have computers and tablets like they do. You, you're on social media just like them. You want likes like they want likes. You, you like the music they listen to, the entertainment that they watch, the clothes that they wear. So where are you different from the culture? Are you one of them? 
but I'm fine. I go to Christian school. I get up in the morning. I come to school. I'm at a Christian school. I do sports at a Christian school. I do all these things. I'm involved in a youth group. I'm involved in church. Turn back with me to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 4. Prophet Jeremiah says this to, to Judah. You do not trust in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. This is my church. This is my school. This is my youth group. I'm involved with them. Do not trust in deceptive words. Verse, jump down to verse 8. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. If that's what you're holding to, you're trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Verse 9, will you still murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, offer sacrifices to Baal, walk after other gods that you have not known? Of course I don't walk after other gods. Let me ask you this, is, 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 is your phone more important to you than anything else you have? That's idolatry. Commit adultery, I'll never do that. But let me just say that if you're watching images, Jesus said if it's lust in your eyes and in your heart, you are guilty of adultery. It says you do not murder, but Jesus said this is really what murder is. In Matthew chapter 5, if you get angry with your brother, you call him a fool. Jesus says you're guilty because that's the heart of murder. And so you're involved in all this sin. You, you're trusting in the deceptive words that I go to a Christian school, I go to a Christian church, I'm involved in a youth group, and you're involved in all these these righteous organizations, and yet you very much are involved constantly in stealing, murder, adultery, swearing, whatever it may be. In verse 10, then you come and you stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered. That you may do all these abominations, that you may be caught up in all this sin in your life, thinking that it, there's no consequences for it whatsoever? Has this house, which is called by my name, 
become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. There's nothing hidden from his eyes. There's nothing hidden from his sight. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows every place you go. He knows every thought you think. He knows every word you say. Is there any difference? I go to church. I'm a Christian. I prayed the prayer to receive Christ. I raised my hand. I went forward at a weekend of champions. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus says, this is the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to quite a few different people, but among them are these religious Pharisees who think they are okay. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who will enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. Notice that, that it's not just a narrow gate that we go through because the only gate is the shepherd of the door. The only gate is Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way to salvation is Jesus Christ. But the path is narrow. And so you may think that you've gone through the gate but now, when you enter in, the path is narrow, but you find yourself on this broad road. You find yourself doing all these things that everybody else or everybody in your culture or everybody who, who you think is important or you want to impress, and you're doing all these other abominations or these other sins and caught up in all these other things. Are you on the broad road or are you on the narrow of you to examine your heart. Beware of the false prophets who come to you as, like sheep, uh, as in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? You don't, you don't find good fruit off of weeds, do you? So every good tree bears good fruit, he says, but the bad tree bears bad fruit, and a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. So you're either a good tree or a bad tree, depending on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. What is known about you? What is produced out of your life? That when somebody sees you away from this school, And in a different 
realm or in with different friends. And they know that you go to this Christian school. They know that you claim to be a Christian. So what do they think of Christianity? Or are you Obadiah 11, even as one of them? Jesus said these very difficult words, beginning in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And many will say to me on that day, and, and here's, here's some more of these deceptive words of Jeremiah. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Lord, didn't I go to a Christian school? Lord, didn't I go to a Christian youth group? Didn't I go to church? Wasn't I raised in a Christian family? And he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you who are one of them. You need to be honest with your own heart. Look at me, please, look at me. The only reason I'm here, I'm an old man. I only have a few years left. This is the next generations. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And there's forgiveness found in Christ. And I don't know what you're caught up into. I don't know what sin is in your life, but you do, and He does. And that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to die for the righteous. He came to die for the sinners. He came to die for you and me. And He wants you to have that abundant life that is only found in Him because the thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. That is our culture. That's what's happening out there. And He wants to do the same to you. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it eternally. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, verse 23, if anyone would follow after me, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. To take up a cross meant that, that a person who was carrying the cross, they were dead men. They were walking as dead men. There was nothing left for them to do in their life except to go die. That was it. There was nothing left that they could do. And so we come as dead men that there's nothing left in me to pursue after except for Him. Except for Him. And that my pursuit of Christ becomes everything. As Psalm 119.57, David said, The Lord is my portion. Is He? Is He your portion? Is He everything to you? Because He wants to give you life. He doesn't want you to be destroyed. He doesn't want you to be stolen away. He doesn't want you to be killed. He wants you to live in Him. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. He came for you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things pass away. The old nature, the old ways have passed away and new things have come. Is that true in your life? As you examine your heart, do you see a difference between you and the world? Is there a change, a transformation that's happening in your life? Do you have a heart that desires to live for Christ, to, to honor Him in all things, to give Him glory, to think about Him, to speak about Him, to act upon Him? I, too, was one of them. But not anymore. You would not want to share in their eternal doom, would you? Then why do you want to be like them here? Let me be clear. Salvation is not dependent upon your works. Salvation is dependent upon Christ. In Galatians in chapter 2, Paul says, nevertheless, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. The only way to salvation, the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ. And if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are justified at that moment. Your eternal destiny is secure in Him. You are headed to heaven. You will be glorified. But He's left you here as you battle these things of sin, of the old nature, as you're striving to walk in newness of life and the new nature that you have in Jesus Christ. For Galatians 2.20 says, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he does that through his Holy Spirit. So I live by faith in this flesh that I still live in. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I, I long for that. God has given you his Holy Spirit to dwell in you in order to transform you into the image of his son. That is the desire that he has. And so if someone were to look at your life, as you examine your own heart, do you know that you are set apart unto him? Does the fruit in your life demonstrate that of one who follows Christ or that who is of the world? Are you one of his or are you one of them? Look, if God is speaking to your heart this morning, if God is, is dealing with an area, maybe there's sin in your life that, that you, you just really know you need to deal with, please, please, please talk to one of your teachers. Talk to one that you trust, that you know is a believer, so that they can begin to work with you and pray with you to set you free to live as God has called you to be. Don't let this pass you by. Don't let this time depart. 
without doing business with God. Galatians 5, verse 16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh because the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and these two are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. There, there's a battle that rages within a believer that doesn't rage in the life of an unbeliever because the Spirit of God is not in them. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you are not under the law because the deeds of the flesh are evident. They are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, envy, disputes, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you that I forewarn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ and He has taken and He has set me free to begin to walk in this newness of life. If you remember anything about this day, maybe, maybe you remember this. This is the day that the winds really picked up and some old man blew in here, blew up, and blew out. Are, you are different. If you, if you have trusted Christ, you are different. The question is, are you different? Father, God, I, I, I pray. Lord, there's, there's young men and women here who you desire their hearts. And you know the things that are going on in their heart even right now that, that God, you desire to set them free from so that, so that, Father, they may live to the fullest, that they may live the abundant life that Christ has for them. Lord, let them know of your forgiveness. Let them know of your grace. May your grace and your mercy just pour over them. And may, and may they find rest and peace in Christ alone for their salvation. Father, that you would set them free. Maybe there's guilt and shame that, that is just overwhelming them. Father, you have set them free from that through the blood of Christ. Lord, may they experience that. May they live that. Lord, that is the desire of, of, of our hearts today. Would you move? Would you set us apart? Make us your own. For your glory, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.